Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Well, we are so glad that you're with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for your feedback. And uh, it's always exciting for us to start an episode. And today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting. We know that we've hit that topic a few times, but it never gets old. And uh, we want to talk about, for a minute here, what it takes to be a successful parent. And why we feel like we need to talk about parenting so much. <laughs> right. I think it's a, it's a skill that that just takes a lot of effort. effort, time, learning, a huge learning curve. And so I think that's why we end up talking a lot about parenting. <laughs> right. And I think we're very interested in it. And now we're watching our own children who, who have children of their own. Watch, we're watching them be parents. So it's certainly on our mind quite a bit. Mark was, we were talking about it, just kind of brainstorming earlier about this podcast. We were talking about how funny it is that today, in today's society, so many jobs require so much training and so many hours of training. Like just to go to hair school or esthetician school is thousands or hundreds of hours to cut someone's hair. Or, or rip their eyebrows out, or whatever they do. <laughs> you know, but to get a marriage license, you just fill it out in the office or online and they hand it to you. Like there's no requirement whatsoever. And there's certainly zero requirement to be a parent. And those are like the two most important jobs you'll ever have in your life. I heard Victor Klein years ago say that it takes two years to get a plumber's license. And it takes about 30 seconds to, you know, at least apply for a marriage license and have it sent off to you, but then he's made this comment that we spend more time in our country teaching people how to fix toilets than how to be married and and, and be parents, right? I mean <laughs> Yeah, there's something wrong with this. <laughs> so we know we know we know that this idea I mean to be a good parent, to be good at anything is gonna take effort and energy and sacrifice. And know how. Right. And you have to have I always have said at least I've said it for the past ten or twenty years is that in order to be a parent today, you have to have skills. You know, in the old days, think of the old days where our parents and grandparents grew up. Every neighborhood, every house in every neighborhood had a mother and father and multiple children. And you kind of just watched everyone. Everyone kind of learned from each other, watched from each other, banded supported together. Supported each other. Yeah, supported. Everyone knew each other on the street and you watched out for each other. Yeah, and, and everyone was kind of together on the parenting topic you know and I say everyone but you know generally speaking people were together on it and now it's so isolated to be to be a parent I know on the street we lived on in McKinney Texas we were the only people on that street that had children you know um but yeah so but today with the complexity of the world and all the craziness and all the issues that surround us you you have to have skills now you know you can't just fake it and you just kind of fall in line with the neighbors, you have to kind of say, okay, I've got to really prepare myself for this now. I'm going to have to read. I'm going to have to study. Now, luckily, we have great resources today. We have 
videos that we could watch on YouTube and go out and there, there are conference talks. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could do, but. And podcasts. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you guys were preaching to the choir here because all of you that are listening, you know, actually want to learn and improve, improve and be better. And, but I think there's so many people that just wing it. They just literally just go through, you know, just literally wing it. <laughs> they just, they, you know, there's not a lot of thought that goes into it. I mean, in other words, what if we approached parenting the same way we would approach our college education or something? Our where, career, our jobs, or right. any skill that we're trying to learn or develop. I know when we, when our children were young and we felt you know, out of control or didn't know, we would, we'd go buy books. We bought tons of books and we would read them together and we'd read them separately. And we would go to parenting courses. The PTA sometimes would offer free parenting things. I mean, wherever we could go. We'd go to education week every yeah, year and we'd learn try as much to, as we could. And yeah. hear different types of discipline and what to do in certain cases. And for us, we felt like that was such a blessing that really fortified us. And I can't believe now how many... People have never even picked up a book or don't know anything. They just think that they can just raise a child without any, without any skills or education or thought. Or background, I know, yeah. Well, I know, Mark, too, you've been frustrated because you've written a ton of books, but some of the parenting books you've tried to get published, the publisher will just say, sorry, nobody buys parenting books anymore. And that's just shocking. I mean, to me, I'm just like flabbergasted. Right. It's almost like uh, we don't. Well, I don't, I don't want to pretend that I know all the answers, but that is one of the reasons why we have this podcast now, because we're hoping that we can reach people in this venue. And I have heard recently that some of those publishers now are changing their minds because I think more and more parents are desperate for material, you know, to, to get their hands on so that they can raise their children and be successful. But once again, we have to treat parenting the way we would treat any any major pursuit in our life, you know, with intensity and passion and desire and energy, you know, and, and we have to really seek for those answers. And so once again, to be a good parent today, you're going to have to have some skills. So all this takes us back to our foundation stone that we build this entire podcast on that great statement, but also that great prophecy by President Spencer W. Kimball that only those who believe deeply and actively in the family will be able to preserve their families in the midst of the gathering evil around us. That was his statement that he made years ago. And for us today, one of the ways that we're going to talk about preserving the family is we're going to discuss what it means to be a courageous parent. So before we really develop the idea of what it means to be a courageous parent, let's talk about the opposite just for a minute which would be what permissive parenting is today. Mm. You know, we know that there's a lot of parents today that are afraid of their children. We see it. You know, you can see it almost anywhere you go. You'll see some kind of uh, experience or situation where you're like, okay, I think those parents are a little bit afraid. Maybe even afraid to ask their children to do something. Well, they're afraid mm. to discipline. They're afraid of their child's reaction. They're afraid that they're going to make their child mad or sad or right. <laughs> upset the apple cart. And they, and again, they don't, I don't, I think they don't have the skills to know how to deal with that. And so they just let them, the kids walk all over them. Right. Right. You know, one study uh, revealed that about 20% of parents with toddlers are permissive. That was a recent study. My guess would be that the older children become, 
that that number would rise a little bit. I would, I would expect that there would be a lot more permissive parents than just 20% based on what we're seeing out there. And so one of the challenges with that, well, maybe we can define that a little bit better. A permissive parent would be high on relationship or connection. Some would say high on warmth. So there's this great relationship sometimes. There's a good relationship between parents and their children, but very low on demand. Or in other words, we're not going to ask our kids to do much. We're not going to uh, upset them. Uh, in fact, we're going to protect our children at all costs. It's always going to be someone else's fault. Uh, it's not that uh, our son or daughter made bad, you know, made bad grades, and so that's on them. It's no, the teacher probably didn't present the material real well, or our son's not playing on the basketball team because the coach's son plays in front of him, even though our own child may have minimal athletic skills or something. But these are parents who would avoid confrontation with their children. Uh, they would shy away from conflict. And certainly the children would be in charge in so many ways. These would be parents who would enforce rules erratically. These children would have few responsibilities. But and, very indulged. Yes. Given everything that they wanted. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing is this parenting style, along with the other, other parenting styles that go with it, the research has been done over and over again for years showing that children that come you know, from a home or that children who have permissive parents tend to be impulsive, immature, have a difficult time understanding the consequences of their actions. Uh, they tend to be manipulative. They have lower rates of academic achievement, higher rates of substance abuse, higher rates of mental illness. So there's a lot of consequences that stem from permissive parenting. Multiple studies have also shown that there's a direct link between permissive parenting and increased alcohol use and drug abuse by teenagers. Mm. And also permissive parenting um, is linked to lower activity levels in children, you know, higher screen time, overall higher BMI ratings. So it's just, Obesity. It, it makes just indulged, lazy children. <laughs> <laughs> Right. The outcome's not always not always wonderful. In fact, some of us have been around, uh, maybe we've been in situations before where we've seen someone told no by a coach or a leader or a teacher, and it almost puts them in shock because you realize that at home they've never, ever been told no before. Right. You know, ultimately, permissiveness just doesn't work. In fact, one of my favorite statements from Elder Neil A. Maxwell from a talk he gave in the April of 1996 General Conference, I know, I know it was a little while ago, but he said, I have no hesitancy, brothers and sisters, in stating that unless checked, permissiveness by the end of its journey will cause humanity to stare in mute disbelief at its awful consequences. And I'm kind of smiling as I read that because I'm thinking that there may be some parents that may find themselves doing the exact same thing, Right staring in mute disbelief at the consequences of what in the heck happened to our to our children here if we're so permissive that there are just no boundaries there are no rules and they grow up in that kind of kind of atmosphere well that was a great uh <laughs> okay debbie downer right that synopsis was... of what not to do right <laughs> now let's switch gears and let's talk about 
the opposite, which is courageous parenting versus permissive parenting. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be more positive. Yeah, now. So let's, here we let's go. Let's talk about the good stuff. <laughs> um, so we want to refer you guys to a talk that was given about 13 years ago in General Conference by Elder Larry W. Lawrence. And he spoke on the topic of courageous parenting. And there's not a whole lot of talks about parenting right. in General Conference, but this was one. This is an oldie but a goodie. And <laughs> yeah, we love it. Um, yes. It was, yeah, 2010 General Conference. So we'd really like to encourage all of you to go pull that up and read it because it's, it's really awesome. But he starts with an opening paragraph that says, I would like to speak today to the parents of teenagers. Your bright and energetic youth are the future of the church. And for that reason, they are a prime target of the adversary. Many of you faithful mothers and fathers that are listening to conference today are praying for answers to help you guide your children through these important years. My oldest grandchildren have recently become teens, so the subject is near to my heart. There are no perfect parents and no easy answers, but there are principles of truth that we can rely on. I think that's so profound, you know, that uh, as he talks about bright and energetic youth, these youth are the future of the church, no question about it, and that Satan is working overtime to ruin them and to destroy them. And we know that, but also Satan works overtime to destroy parents, right? I mean, Yeah, discourage and, yeah, discouragement, distraction. I think sometimes Satan just wears us down as parents where we just throw up our hands and we're like, whatever. <laughs> right. I think there's a lot of that feeling of whatever, you know, just like I, you do you. This takes, this takes too much time, too much energy. I don't have the bandwidth. I'm, I, I give. Yeah. You know? That's how I think Satan wears parents down. Right. You know, continuing with Elder Lawrence's talk, he then quoted at that time, it was the youth theme for 2010, which was be strong and of good courage, be not afraid. That's Joshua 1.9. And he said, this phrase from the scriptures would be a good theme for parents as well. In these last days, what the world really needs is courageous parenting from mothers and fathers who are not afraid to speak up and to take a stand. And I love that. We looked up the word courageous in the dictionary, and it said, it's a choice to be brave, to be mentally tough, to be spiritually tough emotionally tough right and and i love how elder lawrence says that we do need parents that are not afraid to speak up and take a stand parents need to have rules and expectations and be giving guidance to their children standards in the home standards consequences you know for for behavior that's poor Uh, teaching their children how to do the do the right thing and make right choices and again courageous parents are are high love, high warmth, but yeah. high expectation. Right, high demand. Yes, exactly. A great balance of the two, right? Exactly. You know, maybe one of the things we can do is ground what we're saying here in the scriptures just for a minute, where I love with Alma, you know, Alma the Younger counseling his wayward son. And this is right from Elder Lawrence's talk, Corianton. And Alma doesn't mince any words. In fact, with all of his sons in Alma chapters, what would that be, about 36 to 42, he's giving them commands. He's giving them directives. He's correcting some of their behavior. I love how Alma does it very lovingly, though. I mean, he definitely calls like Corianton out, but he does it with lots of love and and teaching with his sons. He's not like you know, raking them over the coals. And... <laughs> but right here in Alma thirty nine twelve, you know, he says that I, uh, 
I'm, I'm commanding you. I mean, that's a pretty strong word that you refrain from your iniquities, or in other words, turn away from your sins. Now you contrast that with Eli in the Old Testament, who has these sons, Hopni and Phinehas, who are vile and rude and crude, and they are desecrating the temple, and he completely allows it. He completely allows it. And think of the horrible consequences of a father who basically turned his head while his sons just desecrated the temple and and ruined the lives of so many people. And Eli really refused to engage in being a parent. Yeah, I love those stories from the scriptures. <laughs> we right, can learn, they're, they're there. learn a lot of parenting, parenting styles and methods and examples from the scriptures. Right. Um, I love this analogy from Elder Lawrence's talk, back to his talk. He said, imagine for a moment that your daughter was sitting on the railroad tracks and you heard the train whistle blowing. Would you warn her to get off the tracks? Or would you hesitate, worried that she might think you were being overprotective? If she ignored your warning, would you quickly move her to a safe place? Of course you would. Your love for your daughter would override all other considerations. You would value her life more than her temporary goodwill. Challenges and temptations are coming at our teenagers with the speed and power of the freight train. Mm -mm. As we are reminded in the family proclamation, parents are responsible for the protection of their children. And this means, I love this, this means spiritually as well as physically. Right. And emotionally and in every other way. I love that. It's not just physical protection. And I think so many parents... Well, we could say this way, that... There are parents, every every parent I know would pull their kid off the train track, but how many parents do we know that would hand their nine-year-old a, a cell phone, a smartphone at that, and give them all access to everything without or, even asking any questions or having any boundaries or rules? or Yeah, or hand them iPads, computers, and some of these kids are even playing video games for hours and hours a day with no restrictions, restrictions or, or parents checking in on them or limitations <laughs> yeah or, those are all loaded guns i think yeah i think so for sure you know another another aspect of elder lawrence's talk as he is he talks about learning how to be a courageous parent he quoted joe j christensen elder joe j christensen and we're going to give you the reference for this talk because it's so good it was called Rearing Children in a Polluted Environment. It was a general conference talk in the October of 1993 conference. I know that I know that goes back a while, but his message is timeless. Truth is truth, right? No right. What age? <laughs> Whether it was 1912 or, or yesterday. And here's here's Elder Christensen. Even though your children say, "Well, everyone else is going to stay out till one or two in the morning, and their parents don't care. Why can't I? Don't you trust me?" Let them know that there are some things that, as members of your family, we simply don't do. And then he said this, Some parents seem almost to be pathologically concerned about their children's popularity and social acceptance and go along with many things that are really against their better judgment, such as expensive fads, immodest clothing, late hours, dating before age 16, inappropriate movies, and so on. And for children and parents, standing up for what is right may be lonely at times. Well, this is so significant to me. There may be evenings alone, parties missed, and movies that go unseen. And it may not always be fun. But then he said this, parenting is not a popularity contest. I love that. I think that's true. I mean, of course, we want to have a great relationship with our children. But we also, 
need to raise children in a way that they know what their parents stand for, what they believe in, where parents draw a line in the sand. Yeah, Elder Robert D. Hales also said, sometimes we are afraid of our children, afraid to counsel with them for fear of offending them. Hmm. And again, that's the opposite of courageous parenting. We go, it goes back to being the permissive, passive parent, you know, that we're, we're willing to let our child stumble or maybe even get into trouble because we're just so afraid to take a stand. We're, we're willing them. to let them get hit by the train because yeah, we're afraid it, to offend them, Yeah, right? we're afraid to move them out of their place. or <laughs> Right. So... Well, that leads us into one of the first key points I think that Elder Lawrence makes in this message, in this talk, is the idea that parents need to be united. And I think that's true. I mean, it may take a while for parents to hammer out some of their beliefs and to really figure out where they stand on some things. But I will see this in my counseling practice repeatedly, where a mother or a father, and most often, to be honest with you, it's a mom who is holding tight to the standards of the church and the gospel for the strength of youth. And it's often a dad who's so much lighter, more permissive. And number one, it causes huge problems in the marriage, as you could obviously see. But also when when the children know that their parents are divided, talk about divide and conquer, a divide Mm, and conquer mentality. For sure. Those kids are going to know exactly how to play that. And so here's Elder Lawrence. He said, it's so, it's so important for husbands and wives to be united when making parenting decisions. And if either parent doesn't feel good about something, then permission should not be granted. If either feels uncomfortable about a movie, a television show, a video game, a party, a dress, a swimsuit, an internet activity, have the courage to support each other and say no. And then he said, I'd like to share with you a letter from a heartbroken mother. Her teenage son gradually lost the spirit and drifted away from church activity. She explained how this happened. She said, all throughout my son's teenage years, I worried and tried to stop him from playing violent video games. I talked to my husband and showed him articles in the Ensign and in the newspaper that cautioned about these games. But my husband felt it was okay. He said that our son wasn't out using drugs and that I should stop worrying. There were times that I would hide the controllers and my husband would give them back. It began to be easier for me to give in than to fight it. I really feel that gaming is just as addictive as drugs. And I would do anything to prevent other parents from going through this experience. Now here's back to Elder Lawrence. He said, brothers and sisters, if your spouse does not feel good about something, show respect for those feelings. And when you take the easy way out by saying and doing nothing... You may, you may be enabling, he says, destructive behavior. But that's difficult, right? And I think that uh, a husband and wife need to come together and find ways to work through those issues if there are significant differences in how they feel about the standards of the church, the commandments, what prophets are teaching and saying. That may even require some counseling to work through some of those issues. There's usually something deep underneath that that needs to be uncovered. Yeah, but if the parents aren't on the same page, we're not going to get the kids on any page, right? (laughs) That's right. They won't be on a page at all. The second point that we want to talk about that Elder Lawrence mentions is that parents can prevent a lot of heartache by teaching their children to postpone romantic relationships until the time comes when they're ready for marriage. And I know back in the day, that was a big thing, you know, wait till you're 16 and you only group date. And, you know, we just, I think those standards really loosened up. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about the new for strength of youth 
and that it is a higher and holier. But as parents, are we are we keeping it higher and holier, or are we just abandoned them all the rules <laughs> just kind of letting them kind of do whatever right yeah premature pairing off with a boyfriend or girlfriend is dangerous i mean i know when That's we were raising elder lawrence right yeah when we were raising kids we came into in contact with other parents who thought it was really cute that their mm. 14 15 year olds had mm. boyfriend and girlfriends and they'd actually brag about it and i would i mean i was just like oof, be careful there because that's dangerous ground to be on really right? dangerous ground Becoming a couple creates emotional intimacy, which too often leads to physical intimacy. Satan knows this sequence and uses it to its, his advantage. He will do whatever he can to keep our young men from starting missions and to prevent temple marriages. I think we need to be aware of that, right? That's, that's, that's as we say, that's a thing. I mean, that's a real thing, right? That Satan is doing all in his power to keep our youth out of the mission field and out of the temple. Yeah. And Working overtime. Totally. It is vital that parents have the courage to speak up. There's that word again, courage, which means mm. we choose to act, <laughs> right? to stand up for something. Um, courage to speak up and intervene before Satan succeeds. President Boyd K. Packer once taught that when morality is involved, we have both the right and the obligation to raise a warning voice. As parents, right? And right. We've got to teach our children all about morality because it is definitely a... They're saturated in it, right? Yeah. Boy, From morning are. till night. And, you know, we can throw pornography in here as well. You know, that what are the standards and what are the protections that parents are putting in place in their homes uh, to help their children not go down that path that we know that once that addiction kicks in, it's it's so hard to to break that. And sadly, today, I think we've got to start really young. I mean, yeah. I, it makes me sad with our grandkids that some of our daughters and, son, and son-in-laws have had to have those conversations at age like four or five, you know, with these young kids. And it's sad that you have to ruin their... Innocence. Innocence, but <laughs> in this day and age, they have to be taught this. Right, early on. That's right. You know, Mark, that reminds me from this past conference, as President Nelson said in his Think Celestial talk, he said, thinking celestial helps us obey the law of chastity. Immorality is one of the quickest ways to lose your testimony. So I think it's so important that we teach our children from a very young age about morality, chastity, why it's so important, and why that's a virtue that we hold dear. How that's, you know, directly connected to our plan of salvation, right? But also... As part of that plan, we teach them about the atonement. We turn them to the Savior, and we help them to understand that they can be forgiven and they can be cleansed. And I think that's just as important, too. Absolutely. Point number three is parental peer pressure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we really felt this really strongly as we were raising our teenagers. We had five teenagers at one time. And I think we received more parental peer pressure during that period than I ever did as a teenager myself. Right. We would try to hold standards and and try to follow prophets and have different rules in our house. And we would get so much flack from other parents (laughs) that just thought we were crazy. Like they told us we weren't cool. They told us, you know, that, oh, we're so uptight that we're too overprotective or... I remember one lady told us, she said... You are the meanest parents in this state. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. And we said, thank you very much. (laughs) So, and I think it really takes a lot of courage to be a parent these days. 
because you have to stand up and protect your family and protect your children for the outside influences that are going on. And we felt really strongly about certain things that our kids should do or not do. And we tried to really hold that line because we felt really, really that, that it was very important we, for we our children. We were passionate about it, yeah. And again, in the family proclamation, we have to protect our kids, not just physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, yeah. you know? And so, but yeah, we, we got so much peer pressure and so much flack for holding the line sometimes. In one of those areas that we got a lot of flack in that I remember were sleepovers, you know, spending the night with other kids you know, in the mm-hmm. ward or in the neighborhood, right? That was a big thing. <laughs> and I remember part of it for us was it wasn't anything super, super horrible. It was just one of the things that we knew and became aware of is that our children were up late, late at night and sometimes till early, early in the morning. They'd come home on Saturday and they'd want to sleep the entire afternoon, you know. And they were grumpy and grouchy and <laughs> grumpy, grouchy, mad. And then, they, then, then, then they'd want to wake up just in time to eat, eat dinner, and then go out with their friends again, <laughs> having done no chores or anything. So that was kind of part of it. But for most us. of it is we just didn't. We just knew that nothing good happens at sleepovers, right? <laughs> we from our own childhood, we knew that, and we just wanted our kids in their own bed. We wanted to know what where they were, what they were doing, and so early on we decided that we weren't going to do sleepovers. We learned the hard way a couple of of experiences where we learned that there were people in the home where they were sleeping and staying that I didn't feel our children were safe. And then I kept seeing things and as a priesthood leader, but also as a mental health counselor where I was learning what was happening at some of these sleepovers in our community that were just kind of scary. And so it was really comforting to hear Elder Lawrence say that, uh, May I express my personal warning about a practice that is common in many cultures? I am referring to sleepovers or spending the night at the home of a friend. As a bishop, I discovered that too many youth violated the word of wisdom or the law of chastity for the first time as part of a sleepover. Too often their their first exposure to pornography or even their first encounter with the police occurred when they were spending the night away from home. Yeah, so we were so grateful to have Elder Lawrence give this talk. When we heard it, we were like, yes, thank you, someone backing us up. (laughs) Right. But, I mean, and that was really hard for our kids, especially some of our oldest daughters. They were furious. They did not like that rule. They felt like they were missing out. But so we, you know, a few parents and us decided to kind of do this laid over thing, you know, where they could still go to the party or go hang with everyone. And then when everyone kind of, settled down for the night, we'd go pick our kids up, you know, and they'd come sleep in their own bed. And, right. um, but now it's funny because our, our kids would just give us so much flack for not being able to sleep over, but now they do the same thing with their kids <laughs> <laughs> and they're grateful for it. You know, right. they're grateful that they were protected from a lot of the garbage that went on. And once again, we're not teaching that like, okay, parents, this is what you have to do. This was what, what was right for our family. But what we are teaching is, hey, have some expectations, have some boundaries, have some rules. And if you feel like that's right for your family, be courageous. Don't give in to the other parental peer pressure and just take a stand for what's right for you and your family and your children. Right. You know, the final principle that Elder Lawrence mentioned, mentioned in his talk is following prophets. And I love how he started this off by just saying courageous parenting doesn't always involve saying no. He said that parents also need to have the courage to say yes to the counsel of modern prophets. You know, I know, Janie, that we would, 
we tried to establish this in our home, but we would say that whatever the prophet says is the rule. And that made it really easy sometimes, you know, when uh, they were coming after us, <laughs> uh, not too happy about something, said, guys, we're trying to follow prophets, and this is what our prophets are teaching us. Our church leaders, Elder Lawrence continues, have counseled us to establish righteous patterns in our homes. And he said, here are five fundamental practices that have the power to fortify youth. Number one is family prayer. Number two is family scripture study. See, these aren't surprises. Number three is family home evening. But number four, family dinner together. And then number five, regular one-on-one interviews with each of our children. And once again, when those come from living prophets, prophets teach the truth, and there are always promises associated with the truths that they teach. And so if we engage in those five key practices, great blessings will be showered down upon our families. I totally believe that. Yeah, and this talk was 10 years ago. So what has President Nelson recently asked us to do in our families? You know, we could talk to our youth about is he's asked us to be peacemakers, right? He's asked Mm. us to think celestial. He's asked us to keep the Sabbath day holy and be in the temple more often and learn how the Holy Ghost works with each one of us and have that guide our lives. So we could talk to our, our children and youth about all those things and and teach them the importance of following prophets. Right. And it is, it's crucial. I mean, I just once again believe it, that following prophets, following their counsel and their direction is going to be crucial to not only our spiritual salvation, but our physical salvation at some point. We conclude today with this theme of standing up for what's right and being courageous. Elder Lawrence did share this story. He said, years ago, our 17-year-old son wanted to go on a weekend trip with his friends, who were all good boys, good kids. He asked for permission to go, and I wanted to say yes, but for some reason, I felt uncomfortable about the trip. I shared my feelings with my wife, who was very supportive. We need to listen to that warning voice, she said. Of course, our son was disappointed and asked why we didn't want him to go. I answered honestly that I didn't know why. But I said, I just don't feel good about it, I explained. And I love you too much to ignore these feelings inside. I was quite surprised when he said, that's okay, Dad, I understand. And then he made this observation. Young people understand more than we realize because they too have the gift of the Holy Ghost. They are trying to recognize the Spirit when He speaks and they are watching our example. From us, they learn to pay attention to their promptings that if they don't feel good about something, it's best not to pursue it, he said. That reminds me, Janie, of another story about a young man named Lloyd. And Lloyd was a teenager at the time. He had asked to use the family car to go to a party. He was getting ready to back out of the driveway when his father came out and asked him not to go, explaining that he felt impressed that would not be wise. They learned later that another car had rolled off the road where Lloyd would have taken, and they felt that that impression must have been a warning for sure. Well, that young man was named Lloyd Oakes, and Lloyd's father, the one who came out to the driveway and said, I just don't feel good about this, is a member of our First Presidency today, President Dallin H. Oakes, who as a father had the courage to follow the spirit that had prompted him and was able to, in this case, prevent his son from danger. 
to get his son off those railroad tracks. Well, everyone, as you listen today, we hope that uh, you have felt uh, some type of guidance and direction here. We're really grateful for Elder Lawrence's talk. And our invitation today, when we talk about LDS, let's do something, is to look up the talk Courageous Parenting. From that, the Ensign, November of 2010, it was the October 2010 conference. Read it and read it as a couple and talk about it and find out if there's just one thing, maybe one thing you could do this coming week or even maybe change a mindset uh, to be more courageous, to follow the promptings that you feel and to share those feelings that you're having with your children uh, to help bless their lives. The Lord needs more courageous parents today. Uh, to help these youth prepare for the world that they'll live in and as we prepare this world for the Savior's second coming. Well, everyone, we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for tuning in. And we look forward to being with you next time.